0: Be there with you this morning. Isolation has got me at home for another week. Uh, but it is still great. I, I'm, I'm privileged that I can still share the word of the Lord uh, this morning with you. Our reading, our passage this morning is going to be Malachi chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through to verse 12. So feel free to start opening your Bibles down to there now. You might remember last week, Pastor Isaac looked at the passage before this. talking about justice and, and uh, the quiet of people of Israel thinking, where is the God of justice? Well, today, our passage is going to look at them robbing God. And in verse 6, we'll see, as we go verse 6, that there are links both back to God's justice, but also looking forward as well to the God he is and how it relates to them and their actions towards them. So let's look now at the word of the Lord for us this morning through the prophet Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, since the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will men rob God? You're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full fire into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven to you and pour down to you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer of you, so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil and your vine in the field, shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let me pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, that You have given us this word through the prophet Malachi, and we pray this morning, Lord, that you will also give us receptive hearts. Hearts of are open and stop towards what your spirit might be wanting to say to us through the prophet Malachi this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, for His sake. Amen. Let me open this morning with a few stats. There might be stats that you're aware of, or stats that are new to today. So you're learning something. say let's learn something together. The first is. The wealthiest 1.1% of the world's population. Those who have a personal wealth of over $1 million, these people hold about half of all the wealth in the world. It's 1.1% have about half the wealth in the world. If you own your own house, or if you're paying a mortgage in Australia today, And that's likely to put you in about the wealthiest 11.1% of the world's population. And that group is holding about 85% of all the wealth in the world. staggering. the top 11.1% of the world's population hold about 85% of the wealth of the world. Goes on when it comes to our resources and, specifically speaking, food resources. According to Food Bank, an estimated one third of food produced is lost or wasted. Nearly one in three people in the world don't have access to adequate food. There's enough food on the planet to feed every single person. Yet one in nine people go to bed hungry every night. So it doesn't get much better when we look at these stats for Australia. The food stats for Australia say that one in six Australian adults haven't had enough to eat in the last year that 1.2 million children have gone hungry in the last year, and going hungry there is defined as going a whole day without food at least once a week. That's Australia, That's the situation in Australia. And these stats highlight for us that hoarding is a problem to humans. It's in our nature to hoard wealth, to hoard resources, to hold these things back for ourselves. hoarding is not just a problem that we're dealing with today. It's a problem for God's people in Malachi's day as well. But if toilet paper is anything to go by, it's also a problem for us. When we hold back what God has given us, we create a lack of resources. We create a situation where there doesn't seem to be enough, although there is plenty to go around. Now, we might not be able to solve the problems of a lack of food resources worldwide or a, a better distribution of wealth worldwide. Do so you think it's possible for us to have an effect on these things in our church? Do you think it's possible for us to have an effect of these things in our local community? When our nature is to hold back, how is it possible for us to become a people who do that? Well, there's three words. In this passage this morning that are going to be helpful for us to remember, and they're going to point us in the right direct direction of how we become a people who with to give out when our nature is to help us. And those three words are return, bring, and bless. We say them again: return, bring, bless. The order is important, friends. We need to return first before we. Bring or are blessed. If we bring without first returning to God, the motivations behind our bringing will be ones that are self centered. Like God's people in Malachi's day, we need to be a people whose motivations are based on who God is, His nature, and His character. And we've seen God's nature and character in verse 6. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. This, this verse looks backwards for us, backwards, wow, right back to the Exodus, backwards to the prophets of God right throughout Hosea um, and those sort of prophets but that's before the exile and after the exile. but also looks back to Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, where there we see that God reminds Israel that he is the faithful covenant God of Israel, where he says, them, so, I have loved you, and I love you still. Well, immediately they go back to our previous se- section, that God has said that he's going to judge, that he's going to refine Israel. We can see that through the word, you're not consumed. You, O children of Jacob, are not consumed, says God. They're refined, but they're not consumed. But whilst it looks back to what's come before, it also goes forward. It prepares us for what's going to be said in verses 7 through to 12. God says, "I, the Lord, do not change." And Don Carson says of this statement, saying that "I, the Lord, do not change," then he explicitly affirms God's integrity as a covenant maker and His faithfulness as a covenant keeper with Israel. The New English Translation of the Bible translates this, this statement this Verse six it says, "I, the Lord, do not go back on my promises." Yahweh is saying to his people, "I am dependable. I am reliable. I don't change like a supply chain during a pandemic." I'm steadfast. I'm faithful. can depend on me. And God stands in contrast to his people. I, the Lord, stands in contrast with you, O children of Jacob. So if God is reliable and dependable, the truth is his people, in contrast, are people and notoriously unreliable. We, we've seen as we've gone through different parts of the Bible, as we've gone through, hey, we've seen these things. The unchanging nature of God is that people, if you like. It's the backstory story and the basis on which God calls his people to return to him in verse 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? The word return is a covenant term, And God, his covenant keeper, has not turned away or turned his back on his covenant with his friends. So he says to them, If you return to the covenant with me, then they will find him there waiting for them because he's never left. He's just where they left him. It's like that ad with the the family in the car and the child has lost their beloved fucking toy. Where do they find the toy? It's hand, baby, but they find it by going back, reach their steps, returning to where they had been before. And where Israel had been before is the covenant with God. The covenant relationship with him, the covenant that was chiselled on stone, or it might be like like they've been sitting at this picnic table and they've engraved in the table. The terms of their relationship they left, they've got up and gone, but God has remained seated there, keeping the covenant. Who has turned away here? God says, It is you, my people, Israel. You have turned from me, you have left me. That's where our problem is. It's not me, it's you. But not surprisingly, The people of Israel dispute God's take on the situation. They say, No, this is no lay down the veil here, Lord. How have we left you? How shall we return? They say. What do you mean that it's us who need to return? We haven't done anything wrong, we're still here. We're bringing stuff in. We're going to the temple. We're playing. Have we done anything wrong? Well, imagine for a minute that you're a cafe owner. You've gone about hiring staff. You've got staff that are doing all the different jobs you need to run the cafe, to, to cook out and the kitchen, to wait on tables to serve, to clean up all that sort of stuff. One day, rather than finding all your people, all your staff doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're all out the back, just sitting on the bench and having a chat together. And when you question them about this, why they're no longer doing what they're being paid to do, they respond to you, well, we haven't done anything wrong. You know, I've turned up, haven't I? Isn't that enough? How would you respond to them? As the owner of that business, would you respond with oh, "Okay, carry on"? Well, in doing that, you would be treating the employment contract as worthless. You'd be saying that your character, your authority as the boss, means nothing. Or well, maybe you would respond a different way. Maybe your response would be, "That's it. You're gone. Get out of here. you decide. And maybe that's within the, the conditions of the contract, but it may seem a bit heartless. think these people who need to pay rent to put on the table, those sorts of things. Maybe you could try a third option. And out of compassion for your staff, you try to persuade them to see where they are going wrong and how they might re engage with. You in a working relationship. Well, this third option is the option that God is choosing with Israel. Look at verse 8. Jesus yeah, says, Will men rob God if you are robbing me? But you say, Why have we robbed you? For in your tithes and contributions you are cursed with a curse. You are robbing me, the whole nation of you. we need to get a sense of the contrast here. Will man rob God? And literally, that, that word man is the Hebrew word Adam, and God is the Hebrew word Elohim. And right back in Genesis chapter 1 of the Bible we have these words in the beginning God Elohim created the heavens and the earth his creating work included Adam Adam people so here the, the statement the contrast here God is saying will the created rob the creator will the powerless Rob the all powerful? Will the ones who are limited seek to rob the one who is unlimited? Those comparisons can give us a bit of a sense of the contrast here, but they're not likely to convey the gravity of all that's going on. Again, in Hebrew, the word Rob is a rearranging of the letters that make up the name Jacob. It reminds us that Jacob is the one who deceived his father, Isaac. God is no Isaac. He's certainly not blind to their deceit. I'm sure we'd agree that it's bad enough to steal from your boss. It might be seen as worse again to steal from your friends, but to steal from your family? I mean, it doesn't really get much lower than that. that is what the whole nation of Israel is doing to God. And they're robbing from the one who is in covenant relationship with them? They are robbing from their own father. But even being showing this, having this presented to him, it doesn't seem to convict these people. They still refuse to believe that God is right, that so He is holding the winning hand. And they counter him with the question, "How have we robbed you?" And so God points out these two have been giving their tithes and their offerings. Now the tithes were something that Israelites were required to bring to the temple. It is was uh, the tenth of all their produce, their resources. Now to bring this into the temple, and it was to be used for the, the support of the work and the maintenance of the temple. It's, it was to be. Their produce, the tent of all their produce, and so from that, those who worked in the temple would be fed and paid. the Levites would be provided for through the tithe. And every third year there was a special third-year tithe, and that would be gathered in the different towns of Israel, and that would be used to provide for those who were socially disadvantaged in the land of Israel. Those who are travelers, those who didn't own or inherit have an inheritance in the property, in the land of Israel. For widows, for those who are fathers, who maybe their fathers have been killed in war or some other situation. they didn't have someone to provide for them. For a third year's was to be provisioned for these people. No one was to go without in Israel. Your Offer- offerings were a bit separate from that. There are other things over and above the tie. Again, contributions of produce, Also, contributions of personal valuables and, and conditions that were given as thankfulness offerings to God. They were given to reflect as a response to, To God's generosity, God's generous provision for his people. They would give thankful offerings to him. If the problem is the Israelites aren't doing this, they're not fulfilling this. They're holding back in their tithes and offerings. They're not giving the full proportion to God as what they are supposed to or what they are promising to give. And not only does that mean that people of God are going without, not only does that mean that there is need in Israel where there does not need to be. By doing this, the Israelites are also implied that God is changing in His provision for them. Take a minute to think about that. Think about it as so far you're giving in your life, space. Do you think that God is standing in his position for you? If So does your giving back that give up? Maybe right now you're living. Below the poverty line. Maybe, right as you hear this message, you're actually thinking, "Look, I just really hope that someone knocks on my front door this evening, so that we can have a meal and eat." Well, if that's you, then then I'm not addressing you right now. But this still it's not for you right now. If if you finding if you find yourself in that situation today, please get in contact with me. We'll get someone around to your place to knock on your door and provide a meal for you. But I suspect that the situation does not describe the majority of us. I suspect that for most of us, we don't find our budget that much in the red. I suspect that for most of us, there's space in our budget for giving. But what we struggle with is that space in our budget. is also space that can be used to upgrade. Maybe that space to put that money, resources that could be given away is also stuff that could be used to upgrade what we have. The bigger, better car. The Better new clothes, the bigger, better house, whatever it is, that space of stuff that could be given is also resources that could be used to upgrade. So maybe some of us are more like those, the staff of the cafe. When it comes to giving we find ourselves just more turning up, sitting on the bed and saying, What well, I, I haven't done anything wrong. Look, I, I'm here. I'm sorry, isn't that enough? Well, friends of God's people, we need to consider the gravity of the situation. We need to consider the gravity of what our holding back of what God has given us says about what we think of God. Is our view? Is what our giving says about God a true representation of who he is? Or is it, it's God? Is it wrong? Is it false? Do you give the wrong picture of God? God says, don't be people who hold back no, these people who bring, because I am the God who brings. That's what I'm like. Verse 10, to bring the full tide into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And have I put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer of you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field. So not fail the bear, says the Lord of hosts. Because we going to hold back. Bring Give. And, and I'll, you'll see that I am a giving God. You'll be productive. I will, I will give you what you need so that you can give. And this will be an else to faith on our behalf, friends. It'll we'll take faith, trust to give, knowing that God, trusting that God will give us everything we need to be able to do it. This is a word for all of us. We're all to be Faithful stewards of God's gifts, of God's grace that He has given to us. It's not just a word, that a for those who have such an abundance or an excess of what they've been given. All of God's people are called to be faithful stewards or to faithfully distribute what God has given to them. Yet, how often? We define our stewardship without room for extravagant generosity. How often do we equate stewardship with giving that is actually stealing? No, we giving that is substantial. The Apostle Paul has something to say about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verses 6 to 15. Feel free to open there if you've got Bible. The Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap gener- generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, being, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have really scattered their gifts to the poor; their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for free will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of faith to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers to you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for it is indescribable. friends, how generous that we are with our resources reflects our, present, our perception of how generous God is with him. And if we are generous, Paul says, then people will see that. They will have all that they need, and they will be praised to God for the provision. But how generous is God? You see him as the generous God in his provision for you. Or well, think of it this way. When Jesus turned water into wine at that wedding in Cana, was his provision stingy? Or was it substantial? Was it abundant? When Jesus fed the multitude, what happened? Was he continued his provision, or was he substantial? Well, you might remember, the people ate until they had no more need. But even beyond that, there were, there were basketfuls of food that were collected, that were left over. When Jesus gave his life, when he shed and poured out his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, was that he? Was not substantial? For instance, Jesus, when he shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, we offer was open to whoever will believe. It was a substantial provision. It was more than enough. More than enough wine to go around. More than enough bread for people to eat their fill. More than enough blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. God is a down and out God. He is a God who more resembles a waterfall in his giving. If sometimes to our sane wear of people without holding back the... It seems to portray him as God who's more like a vacuum cleaner than a waterfall. I must admit, I found it tempting at times to say to God, maybe you've felt the same. To say, but God, bless me because you can trust me to to pass it on to me. Have you found yourself like me tempted to say that to God? how often do I find myself wanting to have my coffers filled to the brim? How often do I want them to get to the point where I can close the lid in their full before I'll start getting the house back down? For God's people that should not be the way. We should be a people for who live the lives and never close. It's always open so that we can be give, give, and give away. No matter how much is in there, we shouldn't be waiting until it's overflowing. We should be giving, no matter what. Can you imagine what it would look like if God's people lived that way? Can you imagine? What it might look like in our church community if we were a people who live that way. Can you imagine what it would look like in our local area if we were a church who lived that way? If we were a people who allowed our coffers, if you like, to be open and to be people who are willing to give work and give generously. What would our church, what would, what would our local community look like? Is it possible for us to be like that? Is it possible for us as, as God's people to reflect His generosity, His generous nature, to reflect the substantial God? Well, let me tell you, friends, if we do, if we do reflect God, then the result will be we will be called blessed. It will be undeniable. All the nations, verse 12 says, will be, we'll call you blessed. So you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. There will be a, there'll be a place where there's always enough to go around. We will be a church where there is always enough to go around. God promised blessings for the world. He promised blessings through His people. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, He says to Abraham, I will bless you. You will be a blessing. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What would it take for you to leave that life? What changes might you need to make in your life this week for that to be the case? But let me, let me encourage you, friends. I see such examples of such substantial generosity amongst our church community. Be encouraged, friends, I see examples of generosity, of people giving themselves their resources, their possessions, passing on what God has given to them. I see people who believe in voting. They are digging deep and they are giving away, Being past things. That is happening. But I suspect it's not that case for all of us. Maybe we could all do a little bit more. What might it take? What changes might have to happen in our lives this week for us to be the people who to reflect the generous provision of their God? It might be that the Holy Spirit is saying something to you this morning. Maybe he's saying, you are robbing me. You are holding back what I have generously given to you. There's some changes need to happen. If that's the case, may, maybe you need to rearrange the order of your financial priorities Maybe you need to look again at what you what you give first, what you give second, or what you give third. Maybe something as simple as as your, your tithe and offering happens first when your paycheck comes in. Maybe your upgrading account needs to be seriously looked at when you know that there is need around you over the fence, across the other side of the church. Maybe get, that's something you need to look at this week. Maybe you need to adjust your financial goals. Maybe that's the outcome that needs to happen. Maybe the a holiday destination that you're aiming for. Maybe that needs to be adjusted. not saying don't have your time away but because it has to be over there. Can it be more around here? Maybe you need to adjust your mindset of what what brand of car you're doing. What quality of car you need, what brand or quality of courage you require, but even what, what brand or quality of compassion you are going to say. Are you going to be someone who shows compassion to people who are just like you? Or are you going to be someone who shows compassion to the people that you see? whether they are like or not. And when you see that need, are you going to be someone who is determined to respond in faith and generosity to fulfill that need? How do we go about making these changes in our lives? Well, like for the people in Malachi's day. First, we need to respond We need to return God's generosity, His faithfulness, the abundance of His grace that He has given to us. That is the wellspring. That is the source from which our generosity and our lives. If you're listening to this message today and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but you're tempted to believe that holding back what God has given you is okay, maybe in your heart you're saying, well, I haven't done anything wrong. I turn up, don't I? I'm here. Isn't that enough? Friends, here, the words, the response of God to that sort of attitude. God is not going to respond to you and say, carry on, that's okay. Nor will you hear him say, you're gone, get out. No, the plea that God has for you today and the plea he has for all of us three words, return, bring, bless. Let me pray. Beloved Father, we thank you that you are the God who does not change. You have not changed in the way you continually call us to come back to you. You have not changed in the way you generously provide all that we need. You have not changed, but you're, you're still, you are still—you always have been, and you always will be—the God through whom salvation is an act of grace, But it's not something that is worthful. for but God. We we acknowledge that in a way that we we don't change. Either. But unfortunately, our, the fact that we don't change is the fact that we are so totally inconsistent, that we are people who turn over and over again. Lord, I pray that you will be showing us a fresh today and a fresh this week. You are still there, calling us once again to return to you. And you desire for us to be a people who are generous in what we bring. Then you want to use us as a people who will be blessed and who will bless, and as a result, you will be glorified. I pray that you'll give us the will, the desire, and the grace to be. That people to make the changes we need to make this week. In Jesus' name and for his sake Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.